Okay. Praise the Lord. Oh. Oh, anyway, real quick, you know, this is your index again. Oh, you can see Genesis to Revelation. What's so cool? This is even your prophecies. It's history. For one fact about the prophecy being history, it's it's history going forward too. Ahaz was a king. You know, when you look at, uh, uh, I was reading in Matthew, the genealogy, the first chapter, and then Joseph is born. Okay, then Joseph, here's, this is the birth of Jesus. Remember what's going to happen. The angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. You know, the child is from the Holy Spirit, and his name shall be called, you know, uh, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The virgin shall be with child, so the prophecy will be fulfilled. Well, God, that was about 700 years earlier. So that was history going forward. So our prophecy is not, you know, the script, we, we've had a lot of help with witchcraft and soothsayers and stuff like this. And it's just muddied up the truth with the Bible until you step back and go, oh, I see this. Prophecy is great. You know, it's, 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 it's what we see in the scripture. Uh, Jesus would keep saying that the scripture might be fulfilled, that the scripture be fulfilled. All this stuff. But anyway, anyway, so... Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, from Genesis to Revelation, total total history here. But anyway, uh, you know the story, uh, creation, and then the fall, and then it just picks up with Abraham just right after the flood, really. It's, the flood happens in chapter 5, actually 6, it's genealogy in 5. In chapter 6, uh, Abraham shows up at 11, so how many chapters is that? Four. Wow, and the Tower of Babel's in there. It's just total explanation for all of the various types of, you know, people that we have on the earth. They all came from, you know, came from Adam originally, that everybody was wiped out except for Noah. And then they all came from Noah. And what's interesting is over 300, you know, documented civilizations all have stories of floods. So, whoa. But, of course, we know these things are true regardless. But anyway, so, all right. If you speed through this, all history, 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 X, I like to say that's Egypt because it is. It starts out with Egypt. And they were getting out of Egypt. Anyway, these three here used to be boring books when I was a kid because I thought that's what they were. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Well, all three of them are history as well. Deuteronomy is a recap of what happened here. When they, when they split the Red Sea and they went through and they all the way through the, to the promised land. Joshua, they go into the promised land. By the end of Joshua, well, they're still there. But when Judges takes place, the whole place went downhill. That's why Samson was brought on, you know, and various other people we see. Gideon, you know. And then a little book named Ruth. Remember, Ruth is whose grandmother? David's grandmother. So that's why that's in there. Great historic book. Real short. I mean, just so short. Ruth is mentioned in the genealogy in the first chapter of Matthew right there. She married Boaz. Anyway, uh, first and second Samuel, boy, here is just direct history, storytelling, storytelling. That's where David and Goliath shows up by the 17th chapter. You hear of him in the 16th chapter uh, because he's already working for King Saul. Anyway, the rest of this, Remember Saul's mad at David, big chase. But all these books here are covered first and second Samuel because Samuel was a he, he he just his mama gave him to the Levites, to the high priest, Eli. And he lived at the temple there. Anyway, 
wound up being a great prophet. But anyway, story, story, story. And then First and Second Kings, that gives us a tip right there. I bet this is about the kings. Yeah, it is. It's going to start out with David in First Kings. Even though Saul was the first one, it's still, Saul didn't last long. Anyway, even though he reigned 40 years, the details are about David. Anyway, First and Second Kings, that's where you'll hear stories about Elijah and stuff like that. And Jesus references those and, and you put it all together. Remember, Jesus will say concerning John the Baptist, they say, well, how come they say Elijah must come first? And Jesus said, I tell you, you already did. They just treated him very unkindly. And Jesus was speaking about John the Baptist. But then when Jesus was up on the mount, they call it up on this mountain, okay, whatever. His clothes started glowing, you know. And all of a sudden, whoo, Moses showed up and Elijah showed up. Now, if you're dead, you're dead. No, they're not. There's, when you all, we're getting older. When we pass away, we're going to go somewhere, you know. We're not dead. What do you mean, Elijah and Moses, they're not sleeping in the grave? Someone like to say, there's a, there's, a, there's a sleep. No, they're not. Your body is asleep, but you're not going to be asleep. You're going to be awake. Absent from, the, absent from the body, what? Present with the Lord. Didn't say absent from the body, you're sleeping in that grave. You know, hopefully you'll wake up. No, you're somewhere. All right, but anyway, so Chronicles, that's a, chronicle, that's a great, two, two perfect history books there. <clears throat> It actually, it doesn't start with Genesis, but it starts with a genealogy with Adam. Oh, they're crazy. No, they're not crazy. They had the records. Midway through Chronicles, all of a sudden it picks up with the stories of David. Okay, the reason I'm mentioning this is because we're going to get to here, and this is where we're going to pick up something right here. These two interesting books right here. At the end of 2 Chronicles, or at the end of 2 Kings, Nebuchadnezzar, boom, Israel was history. They were gone. It wasn't that God just, you know, I feel like I want to be mean to Israel. No, Israel was mean to God. They said, we don't want you anymore. We don't want you. We can do what we want to do. Yeah. It killed them. Only a few survived. And the Lord said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Remember that? It's not talking about us in America, although it works for us. No matter where they are, Solomon prayed this prayer. Oh, Lord, when he dedicated the temple, if we find ourselves that we don't worship you and we get hauled off to other nations. See, Solomon knew this. Very likely it's going to happen. Moses even said, yeah, it's going to happen. And, but when we figure it out and we call for your help, bring us back to this land. And that's what the Lord did. Okay. Same thing's going to happen here. Nebuchadnezzar has taken everybody off. Hello, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in Babylon. Man, they're gone. But a prophet by the name of Jeremiah, who was at the time of the end of this, he said, you're only going to be there 70 years and you're coming right back to Jerusalem. Well, that's exactly what happened. So here we go. Let's look at Nehemiah. It's these two books. The, Ezra and Nehemiah, they lay right on top of each other. Ezra was a priest and it tells you his story when he came back. Now, here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, the autobiography. No, wait. This is a metaphorical story about spiritual book. It's the Bible. It's not what this says. An autobiography of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaliah, in December of the 20th year of the reign of... I tell you what, these guys are serious, aren't they? Yeah. We're going to call him King, King Art of Persia. Hmm, yeah, all right. So the Babylonians, then the Persians, and then the Greeks, and then what happened? The Romans. Then you can take it from the Romans back to where we are in the United States years and years later. I was at the palace of Shushan, and one of my fellow Jews named Hananiah came to visit me with some men who had arrived from Judah. Now, why did they go to Judah? A uh, couple of kings ahead of this guy, just probably within 20 years, 
uh, said all Jews can go back to Jerusalem. I mean, it was 70 years to the, I mean, it was right at 70 years. Well, he came back. Remember, the first thing they were going to do is get the temple set up. Okay. I took the opportunity to inquire how things were going in Jerusalem. Hey, how are they getting along, I asked. The Jews who returned from Jerusalem from their exile here. Well, they replied, things are not good. Now, remember, how do we apply this to our life today? Notice problems. Up and down, up and down. But you always go to the Lord. And what? what's this? If, if the Lord did this for them, he will do stuff for you and me today. And he, and he praise the Lord, we know that. Well, I asked the Jews who returned, from, to, who returned to Jerusalem from their exile here. Well, it never happened. Well, yeah, it did happen. This is real. Well, things are not good. The wall of Jerusalem is torn down and the gates are burned. Now, the temple area, Ezra, the book ahead of this, they got the temple back up. But the city looks like crap. It's bad. All right? Look at this. When I heard this, now remember this book doesn't, now you heard me tell, if you read your Bible, you will fall asleep. <laughs> I think there's some truth to that, but I mean, I think there's some reason behind that. You know, anyway, it's good for you to sleep, but uh, you'll find the most common book that you'll never pay attention to is your Bible if you don't put some effort into it. It's like, why? Why am I being drawn away from the Bible? It's the truth. The truth will set you free. And there's spiritual forces out there, the devil, whatever you want to call it. Doesn't want you reading this Bible. He prays, oh, Lord God. Well, remember, he said, I refuse to eat. I sat down and cried for several days. I spent time in prayer to the God of heaven. Notice he's not saying, I'm going to do this because I read this in a book. And I'm going to start fasting. Oh, please. If you're not in trouble, don't fast. You know, you're just making a bunch of rules on yourself. He was hurting. And he said, you know what? I, I can't eat. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat until God fixes this thing. That's a good thing to do. But don't tell me about it. Remember, Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. Jesus said, when you fast, don't do it in front of anybody else. You know, Don't let anybody know. Yeah, but how, uh, how is this going to work? You've got to start believing in angels and God and what he says. He, he will be your help. Not your favorite preacher or somebody. Or, anyways, here. So he says, I cried out, oh, great and awesome God who keeps his promises. He must have known something. And is so loving kindness to those who love and obey him. Hear my prayer. Listen carefully to what I say. Look down and see me praying day and night, night and day for your people Israel. I confess we've sinned against you. Yes, I and my people have committed this horrible sin of not obeying the commandments you gave us through your servant Moses. He's just admitting, yes, the reason we lost our kingdom. You know, but look what he says. Oh, please remember what you told Moses. I don't know about that. Yes. If you sin, I will scatter you among the nations. Now, what he was talking about sin was not sashing your mama or kicking the dog or all this kind of stuff. You know, it was, I don't want anything to do with the Lord anymore. I like these other gods. They're pretty cool. Oh, man, thou shalt have no other gods before me. But if you return to me and obey my laws, even though you're exiled, hello. Now, if you're just reading this over coffee one morning, wouldn't this get to you and you're going, you know what? I can't ever get so far away from God that he won't help me. That's right. You can't. Just remember to go back. That's why that picture is so wonderful. Buy you one if you don't have one. Remind yourself that Jesus is standing at your door knocking saying, hey, and that's written to church. Revelation 3. People want to say it's to the world, and it is. But that's, a, that's after the fact. 
Anyway, so he says, uh, even though you're exiled, look at that, to the farthest corners of the universe, I'll bring you back to Jerusalem. For Jerusalem is the place which I have chosen to live. We are your servants, the people you rescued by your great power. What's he mean? He remembers Egypt. Anyway, oh Lord, hear my prayer. Look at that. Heed the prayers of those who delight to honor you. Please help me now as I go. Whoa. So this was not some sort of daily prayer that he didn't mean. This is the bottom line. As I, as I now go in and ask the king for a great favor. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. Man. How many times have I gone somewhere and I've, I've, I've just whispered a prayer for when I'd say, Lord, I just pray I have favor in Jesus' name. When I talk to these people, I got favor. Praise the Lord. So what does he say? I was the king's cupbearer. Oh. So he was like one of those guys on the Three Stooges that had to taste that poisonous wine first. <laughs> you know, whatever. Well, whatever. You know the story. One day in April, four months later, I was serving the king his wine and he asked me, why so sad? You aren't sick, are you? You look like a man with deep troubles. For unto then I'd always been cheerful when I was with him. He said, I was badly frightened. I replied, sir, why shouldn't I be? Well, now Nehemiah, that's who we're, Nehemiah, remember, he's not a priest or nothing. He's just a Jew. And he goes, well, why shouldn't I be? The city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been burned. Look what the king says. Look at this. Well, what should be done? Praise God. Now, this is not the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra, the same thing happened. King Cyrus said, all Jews can go back. And here's a blank checkbook. Whatever it costs, we'll pay for it. Go build a temple and pray for me. That's what the king said. Wow. Anyway, with a quick prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, well, hey, if it, if it please your majesty, and if you look upon me with your royal favor, send me to Judah to rebuild the city. Remember, Ezra was the temple. Now we got to take care of the city. city. City looks pretty bad. The king replied with the queen sitting right beside him. How long are you going to be gone? Now, he, they like this guy. When will you return? So it was agreed, and I set a time for my departure. Well, look at this. Verse 7, then I added to my request. Whoops, whoops. Uh, if it please the king, send me letters to the governors west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel through their countries on my way to Judah. So this king, King Art, was king of the whole world, or that region, pretty good-sized empire. And so he got all these permits. Also a letter to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, look at this, instructing him to give me timber for the beams and the gates of the fortress near the temple, for the city walls, and a house for myself. What? Yeah. And the king granted these requests. For God was being gracious to me. How many times as a Baptist or whatever background you are, we just talk about, oh, the grace of God, he's graceful. Well, let's get serious about that. Look, that's what grace is. Praise the Lord. Oh, God, just give me grace. And we don't believe any of it. We want to, can't wait to get to heaven to tell him what our problems are. No, what Lord do. If it weren't for the grace of God. You know. This is grace. Look for that grace. Wow. When I arrived at the provinces west of the Euphrates River, they were Jerusalem was like down here. They were up here because the Euphrates River was way up north. Anyway, they, or out here to the east somewhere. Okay. 
Uh, let's see. I delivered the king's letters to the governors there. The king, I should add, also sent army officers and troops to protect me. Wow, isn't that nice? But when, uh-oh, here comes some problems. But when Sanballat, we'll just call him Steve, Steve the Goober, whatever, and Tobiah, we'll call him Tommy, he was an Amorite who was, an, who was a government official. He heard of my arrival. They were very angry that anyone was interested in helping Israel. Hello, anti Remember, just hate the Jews. A friend of mine asked me this week, says, why do you think that is? I said, well, think about it. I said, the Jews are right. They're not, it's not a fable. Jesus was a Jew. He came to save us. The devil doesn't want us having anything to do with him. So here, let's read. I mean, go bother. The, why don't you go bother the Chinese? They didn't want this happening. Because if word gets out that Jehovah or God is really real, then it's good for us, but bad for, you know, the devil. Anyway, three days after my arrival at Jerusalem, I stole out during the night. In other words, he went out by himself taking only a few men with me. I hadn't told a soul about the plans for Jerusalem that God put in my heart. I was mounted on my donkey and others were on foot. We went through the valley gate toward the jackal's well. Now I had a thought right here because I remembered something. Did you know, the, well I'll switch it, watch this. It's called the jackal's well. Look at this, the King James chapter, let's see, number 12. Number 12, let's see. Where was it actually? 13, yeah, look at this. Uh, well, come on. Uh, I went by night to the valley. Yeah, there it is. Look at that. Why did they replace the word dragon with jackal? Well, I found out. Do you know the Bible refers, we have over 30 times the scriptures refer dragon. You'll see it in, the, you'll see it in Psalm 91, other places dragon. You don't really think there was. Yes, there were. But the translators, they're, try, they're just trying to help, unfortunately. And they said, ah, it had to be a coyote. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going. Wow. I mean, just, just do a little young earth. Uh, just, just look up dinosaurs. Just put dinosaurs with man. We got footprints, you know, with man, we got clothes that have a picture of a triceratops, and we got burial stones, and you're gonna go, Ugh. they got a priest that was buried in uh, one of the, his, his grave is in the bottom of uh, whatever, some sanctuary there in, uh, in London, whatever, and his tombstone's got brontosauruses on it, and he died in 15 or 14. What's he, he's supposed to have no brontosaurus, there's no such thing. National Geographic is not your buddy. They have an agenda. They say this never happened. They'd be laughing at <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing at this. This is good stuff. Anyway, uh, over to the dung gate. That's a four-letter word for a four-letter. You get that one. So the dump is over there, the poop gate or whatever. So he's traveling through, and he sees the broken walls and the burned gates. When they got to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. Man, this place was a disaster, like a, like a nuclear bomb went off. We circled the city, and I followed the brook, inspecting the wall and entering in at the valley gate. The city officials didn't know <clears throat> I had been out there. No, they didn't know I had been out there or why, for as yet I had said nothing to anyone about my plans, not to the political or religious leaders or even to those who would be doing the work. 
But now I told him, you know full well the tragedy of our city. It lies in ruins and its gates are burned. Let's rebuild. Now, you know what? This rebuilding here, this is all the stuff Jesus saw when he was there. Because this took place about 300 years before Jesus got there. And remember, after King Herod rebuilt and glorified the temple, even though he was sort of a loser, you know. Jesus, they were saying to Jesus right before he died, remember that? Oh, Master, look at all these stones and everything. Remember, Jesus said there will not be one stone on top of another. And that happened about 70 years after Jesus was gone. But right now, this is setting the groundwork for what Jesus is going to see. So he says, you know full well the tragedy of our city. It's ruins and its gates are burned. Let's rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and rid ourselves of this disgrace. Now remember, these people knew this was a top FBI agent that just showed up. You know, Now he's a Jew, but they knew he's second to the king. He brings the king his cup of wine. Then I told them about the desire God put into my heart and my conversation with the king and the plan which he had agreed. They replied at once, good, let's rebuild the wall. So the work began. Now I got to fly here, but I'm going to do it. Watch this. Oh, but the bad guy, old Sanballat and Tobiah and Gishem, the Arab, heard of our plan. They scoffed and said, what are you doing rebelling against the king? See, we read that in, in Ezra, and they tried to put a stop to it. So they overlap. But anyway, that was when they were building the temple. But I replied, the God of heaven, look at this, will help us. And you got to say the same thing in your life. The God of heaven will help you, just like me. The God of heaven will help me. All my stuff i got to face. And we, his servants, will rebuild this wall, but you may have no part in it. Well, oh yeah. Well, here's what happened. Remember, you go right into it. You don't read this three years later. Let's see, that was, make sure. Yeah, we're already in chapter three. <coughs> I got to get through six, but we will. It'll go fast. Then Elishib the high priest and the other priests, look at this, they rebuilt the walls as far as the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hanel. This is total history. And they rebuilt the sheep gate, hung its doors, and dedicated it. Look at that. Let's have prayer here. <laughs> Let's have a toast. The men from the city of Jericho worked next to them. Beyond them was the work crew led by Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah. They did the whole thing. They cut the beams. Now, I'm not going to read all this, but you're going to see. Look at this. Look what they did. It's just history, history, history. This guy, they repaired the section of the wall. This, okay, the next one, blah, 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 blah. Look at this. Look at that. Name the guy. Look, look at the details. And beyond him, uh, Hanani, the manufacturer of perfumes. What? That's because he's a real, it could have been a fur trader, but he wasn't. He manufactured perfumes. They like their women to smell good. Good. Repairs were not needed from there to the broad wall. Now, how do you write this and all of a sudden go, well, there was one section that was okay because it was okay. Rephiah, the son of Hur, the mayor of half of Jerusalem, was next uh, down the wall from them. And look at this. Just they repaired the walls. Okay, next to him was this guy, this guy, this guy, the furnace tower. Oh, I like this part. Look at 12. And Shalom, son of, and his daughters, the boy, the girls got in there and helped. Anyway, so let's just keep cruising. Then they repaired the 1,500 feet all the way to the Dung Gate. The Dung Gate was repaired by blah, blah, blah. They put the bolts. Okay, let's keep cruising here because we know what's happening. Uh, let's just keep clicking here. They're still putting it together. Next were the workers led by Ezer, the mayor of another part of Mizpah. Okay, high priest. Opposite here, the door, the sides of the house. 
Okay, look at that. Then the priest from the plains outside. Then came the priest from the plains outside the city. Verse twenty-two. They named them there. Look at that. They repaired, repaired the sections next to their own houses. I mean, everybody got on the ball, and they were building the walls. Remember, this is the walls, not of the temple, but of Jerusalem. Okay, the temple attendants uh, living in Ophel, verse 26, repaired the wall as far as the east water gate. So, okay, that's what's happened. Everybody got together, and boy, they got rolling. Let's just keep clicking here. Uh, he rebuilt his walls. They did, okay. Verse 32, the last verse, the other goldsmiths and merchants completed the wall. Uh, that was, uh, excuse me, from that corner to the sheep gate. All right, here we go. Next chapter. Sanballat, oh, he was mad. When he learned they were rebuilding, he flew into a rage. He insulted and mocked us and laughed at us, and so did his friends and the Samaritan army officers. See the opposition? What does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a day? Oh, I'll go ahead and tell you. They did the whole city in 52 days. Man, Phil, can you believe that? I mean, you and I as builders, we know. But they had a lot of people. And they were all working fast as they could. 52 days. That's less than two months. It's fixing to say. And they're going to say, and God helped us. Here, watch this. All these poor Jews, they laugh. They, they think they can build a wall in a day if they, if they offer enough sacrifices. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. This idiot doesn't know our God. And he says, and look at those charred stones. They're pulling out of their rubbish and using it again. I think he's going to say a fox could walk on that wall and, fall, and make it fall down. Yeah, I doubt that. Tobia, who was standing beside him, even if a fox walked along on top of the wall, it would collapse. Look at this. Look at this. And this is where we got to get back to real Christianity. And I thank God for Donald Trump and for other people that have woken up and quit letting people push us around. Well, that's not very Christian-like. Yes, it is Christian-like. Look at this. Then I prayed, hear, O Lord, for we are being mocked. Well, you just have to take it. Jesus didn't take it. Read the, it'll get you so fired up. We got it to where now we don't think we can tell our kids. Now, now sweetheart, don't, don't, don't throw the spaghetti on the floor. Oh, I love this lady at work. She's one of my bosses. She's a wonderful black lady, and she had her grandkid there, and she told the story. And I made her tell it again to another group of people that were there. She goes, oh, yeah. Anyway, her little grandson was there. He was like three years old, and he took that spaghetti and went, she grabbed him and said, you're not going to. Oh, she just got into him. <laughs> and I said, way to go, Grandma. She said, he was just shaking. I said, yeah, he got the message, you know. <sighs> can't wait and let the police do it. And problem is the police probably won't do it anymore either. Anyway, may their scoffing fall back on their heads. May they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Oh, I don't, oh that's, that's horrible. Look at that. Don't ignore their sin. <laughs> wow. This was not a public prayer. This was, remember, this was Nehemiah saying, Lord, fix their saddle. Do not blot it out, for they have despised you and despising us who are rebuilding your wall. At last, the wall was complete to half its original height around the entire cities, for the workers worked very hard. Now, it's only, halfway, it's only halfway up. But old Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and whoever this other guy is, boy, they were still ticked. They heard the work was going right on and that the breaks in the wall being repaired. They were furious. They plotted to lead an army against Jerusalem. Good grief. And to bring riots and confusion. But we look at that. We prayed. And God guarded the city day and night. Look at that. To protect us. You don't think he'll protect you when you travel? And you go pick up a stove out of town? People you don't know. He will take care of you. Praise the Lord. 
Anyway, then some leaders began complaining that the workmen were becoming tired and there was so much rubble to be removed, we couldn't get it done by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were, oh, look at this, we're getting tired, plus ooh, bad guys are coming. And whenever the workers who lived in the nearby cities went home for a visit, our enemies tried to talk them out of returning to Jerusalem. So I placed armed guards from each family in the cleared spaces behind the walls. Wow. Who are you? Well, I'm Sergeant so-and-so. I was told to go home with you. <laughs> okay, wow. Then I looked over the situation, and I called together the leaders and the people and said, Don't be afraid. Watch this. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Fight for your friends and your families and your homes. Our enemies learned that we knew of their plot and that God had exposed and frustrated their plan. Now, we all returned to our work on the wall, but from then on, look what they did. Only half worked while the other stood there and said, Yeah, you just try it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they switched. I was working brick for a while, and he held the gun or whatever, swords. Okay. Uh, only half worked while the others stood on guard behind him. The masons and the laborers worked with weapons within easy reach <laughs> beside them or with swords belted to their sides. Wow. Here we go. Here we go. Let's keep going. The trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm. The work was so spread out, I explained to them. We are so separate, separated so widely uh, widely from each other that when you hear the trumpet blow, you must rush to where I am for God will fight for us. Look how bold they were. Well, I hope he shows up. No, God will fight. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset and half the men were always on guard. I told everyone living outside the walls, move in Jerusalem so that the servants could go on duty uh, as well as uh, work during the day. No, go on guard duty. Okay. During this period, none of us, I nor my brothers, nor the servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took our clothes, or took off our clothes except for washing. We carried our weapons with us at all times. Well, you can't have no nasty weapons. Oh, my gosh. Oh, really? You better. About this time, now look what happened here. Now you got a little problem happening inside, the, in, inside your family. There was a great outcry of protest from the parents against some of the rich Jews who were profiteering on them. What were they doing? What was happening was that families who ran out of money for food had to sell their children. Oh, God. Well, I tell you, old Nehemiah, he, had, he blows a gasket here. Which, would that be the Lord? Yes. They're having to sell their kids. God. Mortgage their fields, vineyards, homes to these rich men. And some couldn't even do that for they'd already borrowed the limit to pay their taxes. We are their brothers and our children are just like theirs. Yeah, unless you're a rich kitty. Oh, brother. Look what happened. The people protested, yet we must sell our children into slavery to get enough money to live. We've already sold some of our daughters. We're helpless to redeem them. Our fields, too, and more. Uh, hello? You got family trouble today? I mean, money trouble today or family trouble? Don't ignore the Lord. Look at this great story. Oh, I was very angry. Psalm 18, when David prayed, the Lord was very angry and said, I will rescue you. So after thinking about it, I spoke out against these rich government officials. What do you think you guys are doing? I demand, how dare you demand mortgage as a condition for helping another Israelite? Then I called a public trial to deal with them. At the trial, I shouted, <laughs> well, you got to be calm. I watched Zorro the other day, and he's trying to teach the young Zorro. He says, never fight in anger. If you lose it, you lose it. Might be the time to lose it. We've heard so much psychology. You think Jesus gently turned the tables over? Excuse me, I need to move the table over. Y'all shouldn't be in the temple right now. 
No, he had a whip and he was kicking over tables. Everybody got the message. Boy, especially if you read the story. Remember the, the high priest stormed in there and they said, who gave you this authority? And Jesus said, I'll tell you who gave If you tell me. Was John the Baptist from the Lord or not? And they go, oh, uh, we can't tell you. And Jesus said, well, I ain't going to tell you either. Now, that wasn't very Christian-like. Yeah, it was because that was Jesus. And you got people you have to deal with too that way sometimes. Anyway, boy, he's rough with them. I called a public trial. At the trial, I shouted at him. The rest of us, remember, then they got weapons on. Even Nehemiah was working. He wasn't sitting back and saying, give me a new glass of sweet tea. No. He said, the rest of us are doing all we can to help our Jewish brothers who have returned from exile as slaves in a distant land. But you are forcing them right back into slavery again. Wow. Uh, he let them have it. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I further pressed, what, are you, what you're doing is very evil. Should you not walk in the fear of God? Don't we have enough enemies among the nations who are trying to destroy us? The rest of us are lending money and grain to help our fellow Jews without interest. I beg you, gentlemen, stop this business of usury means interest. Restore their, their fields, their vineyards, their olives, their homes to this very day and drop your claims against them. So they agreed to do it and said that they would assist their brothers without requiring them to mortgage their lands and sell their children. Then I, don't you know that was a praise report? Hey, I got my daughter back. Woo, I'm sure she was glad. Then I summoned the priest and made these men formally vow to carry out their promises. Oh, God, he's making me swear. Yeah. And I invoked, look at that, I invoked a curse of God upon any of them that said no. Woo. All right. May God destroy your homes and livelihood if you fail. Oh, boy. All the people shouted amen and praised the Lord, and the rich men did as they promised. I would also like to mention, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. I want to mention the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah from the 20th to the 32nd year of the reign of King Art. My aides and I accepted no salaries or other assistance from the people of Israel. This was quite a contrast to the former governors who had demanded food and wine and $100 a day in cash and had put the population at the mercy of their aides who tyrannized them. But I obeyed God and did not act that way. I stayed, look at that, I stayed and worked on the wall and refused to speculate in the land. Oh, and Nehemiah is going to say, and I had a whole bunch of people with me. Look at this. I also required my officials to spend time on the wall. All this despite the fact that I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides visitors from countries. Provisions required for each. Look at the details. I had to have one ox, six fat sheep, a large number of domestic fowls. We needed a huge supply of wines every day. Yet I refused to make a special levy against the people. Well, Nehemiah, don't you know if you don't do it? No, Nehemiah knew God would take care of it. Look what he says right here. Look at that. Can you read? Watch this. He said they knew they were having a difficult time. Look at this. Oh, my God. Please keep in mind all that I have done. What did he stick that in there for? Because it's real. This happened. Wow. All right. Here's the last chapter. I know it's taking a while, but we'll get through this. It goes quick. Boy, oh man, these idiots. Sanballat, chapter 6, Tobiah, Gershom, the Arab, and the rest of our... They found out we had almost completed rebuilding the wall, though we had not hung all the doors yet. They're going to go to plan B here, the bad guys. They sent me a message saying, Hey, come out here. <laughs> Meet me in the village of the plain of Odo. But I realized they were plotting to kill me. So I replied by sending back this message. I'm doing a great work... <laughs> 
Why should I stop and come visit with you turkeys? Four times they sent the message. Each time I gave them the same one. The fifth time, old Sanballat, the ser- servant, came with an open letter in his hand. And this is what it said. Uh, Gisham tells me that everywhere he goes, he hears that the Jews are planning to rebel. Same thing happened in Ezra. You better stop this work. He claims you plan, plan to be their king. So stupid. That's what's being said. He also reports that you've appointed prophets to campaign for you at Jerusalem by saying, Look, Nehemiah is the man we need. That liar, liar, pants on fire. Same thing we hear today. Fake news. Look at this. You can be very sure. Says, hey, by golly, we're going to go tell King Art and you're going to lose it. I suggested you come and talk it over with me for that's the only way you can save yourself. Nehemiah knows who's going to save him. He doesn't need anybody but Jesus. My reply was, you're lying and you know it. There isn't one bit of truth to the whole story. You're just trying to scare us into stopping our work. And look at this. He puts, oh, Lord God, please strengthen me. Yeah. That's what we need to be saying. A few days later, oh, look at this. this now they're on plan C. This guy's going to act like he's a Christian. A few days later, I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah, who was son of whatever. He was receiving a message from God. Well, he thought it was real. Hey, okay, what you got? I smell a rat. Look at this. Hey, let's hide in the temple and bolt the door for they're coming tonight to kill you. You can't go in that temple. But I replied, should I, the governor, run away from danger? And if I go into the temple, not being a priest, I'd forfeit my life. I won't do it. Then I realized God had not spoken to him. And you know what? The Bible says that we have no man, that no need any man teach us either. Because the same spirit on the inside of you, he'll tell you whether something's right or wrong. Hey, we're almost done. See the marker? It's right here. Watch this. See, it's fixed to say they built this wall in 52 days. <sighs> then I realized God had not spoken to him, but Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him to scare me. Act like a Christian. Act like he's speaking for Jesus. <laughs> and make me sin by fleeing into the temple. And then they would be able to accuse me. He goes back to prayer. Look at that. Oh my God, I pray. Don't forget the evil of these guys. Tobia, Sambalat, Nodiah, the prophetess. Sometime women folk can get in it. Look at that. And all the prophets who had tried to discourage me. Look at that. The wall was finally finished. Golly. In early September, just 52 days after we had begun. Man, they were flying. Did you know after the Great Depression, they built the Empire State Building in a year and a half? A year and a half. That's flying. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. And they realized that the work had been done. How? With the help of our God. Praise the Lord. During those 52 days, many letters went back and forth between Toby, I remember the bad guy, and the, and the wealthy politicians of Judah. For many in Judah had sworn alliance to, alliance to him because his father-in-law, Shekinah, the son of, anyway, because of his son, anyway. You know, you had tried to make us fall apart from the inside. That guy had married one of the daughters of such and such. Anyway, uh, they all told me what a wonderful man. Yeah, right. Oh, he's so great. And then they told him everything I had said and Tobia sent many messengers to frighten me. Wow. Okay, it's done. Anyway, we're, well, I'm not going to read this, but you know, uh, I think there's a list here of all the people. I think that's what that is. Everything was done. And they started, yeah. Yeah, there's a list. Everybody was there. And then guess what happened? 
Then they hold a huge church service. And you remember the scripture? The joy of the Lord is your strength. There it is. It's in that eighth chapter because everybody started crying when Ezra, Ezra started reading the Bible. And they were going, oh God, we have just, we have not worshiped the Lord. And they were, everybody was crying. And the Levite said, let's just look at it right there. It's verse 8. So everyone stood up as he opened the scroll. And all who were old enough to understand paid attention. Anyway, all these people, anyway, Ezra blessed them, blessed them. He lifted his hands and he read from the scroll. He didn't make up some goofy sermon. He read. Uh, let's see. Look at this. All the people began sobbing when they heard the commandments of the law. <gasps> then Ezra. And I, the governor, remember the governor's Nehemiah. Don't cry on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. What was it? They just came back to him. Remember the prodigal? When he come back home, they killed a fatted calf. They put a ring on his fingers, shoes on his feet. Anyway, it's time to celebrate with a hearty meal and to send presents to those in need. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Golly. Anyway, you can go home and read the rest of that. Just a fantastic story. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We just thank you. If, boy, if we're building a wall, trying to get ourselves protected or whatever, whatever's going on, you will take care of us. Lord, suppose it's we, our backs are hurting. We're not feeling good in our bodies. You'll take care of that. Thank you, Jesus. Same thing's true financially. Look at the money come flying in. Nehemiah didn't even put a tax on the people. The Lord brought all that in. So, Lord, you'll take care of our money situations. And, and if it's something else, it doesn't matter what it is. You're obviously the one who's going to help us then you'll take care of it. So that doesn't leave anything left. But for us to keep records, like Nehemiah had his own little biography here, and he was telling everybody that Jesus helped him. So we're going to do the same thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah.